Welcome, players, to the Triple Play Fantasy Basketball Show, where the podcast that opts out of their contract and hits the market in free agency. I got my normal lineup with me. I got Brad Lee Wanamaker. Brad, how you doing? That one's a stretch. I'd say that's your that's your worst one to date, but I respect it. Hey, man, I'm just going to keep rattling them off until I got no more Brads to go to. So <laughs> ho- hopefully some Brads get drafted or picked up by teams in the next couple weeks. I'm running out. With me as well, I got the other guy, James Harden-Lewis. What's going on, Coach? I love it. That's what that's the way to start off the episode. I'm doing great. Special thanks to Adrian Dantley for joining us for an interview this past week. And uh, just for the record, I tied the game last week. If you guys want to check the tapes, still give the win to E, but that actually happened. It was a nice gentleman's win for you. But we have a special guest today. He's a tall guy who writes about taller people. He's contributed pieces to the setback. Washington City Paper, SB Nation, and Bleacher Report, just to name a few. A current JD student at the Albany School of Law. You better not be sleeping because he doesn't believe in naps. How do you like that? We have Ben Mehich. Ben, how's it going? Wow, Eric, I mean, you creep me out. You know where I'm going to school? What's my zip code? What's my address? I'm freaked out. <laughs> you know, all right, I did a little research. I didn't do that much. <laughs> Dude, you nailed you my last name. That's the first time I think anybody's nailed my last name, so I'm already impressed by you. you Social security number is 212. Brad, don't do it. You got the first three. Now now I'm nervous. Sorry, sorry. I'll keep it under wraps. Seems like they can find anything on the internet these days. They were checking plane tickets uh, recently for Serge Ibaka. Somehow that was able to stumble stumble across the internet lines. It's weird what people can find. The internet's out there, but it's a it's a tr- it's a pleasure to have Ben on. Um, as talk before the show, we're all Wizards fans. So, um, Ben, did you want to just talk a little bit about you know the writing that you're doing and kind of anything that you're working on? Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's it's kind of just engulfed in uh, kind of sad free agency signings nowadays, and uh, a surprising draft pick in Denny Avdia, which uh, I, I think came as a surprise to everyone, including those within the uh, front office. So, yeah, basically just covering the news. And, and, of course, John Wall's recent trade demand has been has been on everyone's minds as well. Yeah, and I know as a Wizards fan, the first thing that went through my mind was Jan Vesely 2.0, which is like every Wizards fan. No, worst nightmare. No, no, you're being negative. You're right. <laughs> but it is Tommy Shepard instead of Ernie Grunfeld. But we're not just going to talk about the Wizards because we have a great Actually, show. If, I, if I'm being honest, Jan Vesley on a different team might go a different way. Jan Vesley drafted by a GM could go a different way. I, I, I will have every opportunity to take a dig at Ernie, but we're going to talk more about than just the Wizards because we have a great show planned for today. We're going to be talking about the draft recap and free agency. So the draft was this past Wednesday, and free agency began the 20th, and the Triple Play crew is here to give you everything you need to know. We're going to discuss the winners and losers from the draft, the major trades and free agency signings, and the impact that it'll have on this upcoming NBA season. After that, we'll go to our question of the week. Who is the best player not in the NBA? And as always, we have our game of the week revealed at the end of the show. But first, some news and notes. News and notes. 
Clay Thompson ruptured his right Achilles tendon and is out for the 21, 21 season. It is a different leg than the one he tore the ACL in last year, if there's any silver lining. Do you see him bouncing back from these serious injuries, and what does it mean for the Warriors dynasty? And, Ben, I want to start with you on this. Yeah, I mean, I think this is an interesting one because if it was a player who was largely dependent upon explosion, I think my answer might be different. But you did mention that it was a different leg than, than his ACL. Um, he's a catch-and-shoot guy. Of course, you need lateral quickness and whatnot to get around the court without the ball. But like I said, he's relying upon you know movement in ways that don't necessarily uh, require explosion. So I think I'm a bit more optimistic than most when it comes to Clay's eventual return. I don't know if he'll ever come back and be the all-NBA type of player, but obviously this is a hit to the Warriors. I think they did a good job uh, replacing him with Kelly Oubre. I think he'll add some some burst there. Uh, some replace to replace some of his shooting and, and uh, his defense as well, and I think they did a pretty good job picking up Kent Bazemore. So I think it'll be a replacement by committee. But of course, when you're missing a guy like Clay Thompson, one of the best shooters of all time, it's going to be hard to uh, fill that void. Yeah, and I mean him and, him and Curry have such a great backboard. Like you said, shooting is kind of the key to success. But Clay Thompson's also a great defender, so you're losing him on both ends. Brad, what are your thoughts? You hear that? That's the sign of a championship window closing. I'm uh, I'm very disappointed. Um, I think Clay Thompson is one of the. You know, it's interesting because he's an All Pro. He's an All NBA guy. You know, but I, I actually think he's underrated. You know, Eric, like you mentioned, he's also really important on the defensive end. And I think when you you're coming back from an ACL or an Achilles, it's going to be two years until you're back healthy truly healthy, like 100% of your previous production. And um, with that, I think it's like uh, he's going to be 32. He's going to be 33 when he's back 100% of himself. And I just – I don't envy the Warriors right now. Um, I think you look at what LeBron did with Miami, and it's like he got to Miami, and three years later, their championship window was closed. And I think it's going to be the same for for Golden State here. I think people don't really realize how quickly championship windows close in the NBA, and I think the Warriors are a casualty of this right now. Kelly Oubre is great. I'm a big fan of his. I think he's a great shooter. I think he's got a lot of potential. He's young. Um, he's, he's lanky. He can he can defend. But Brad, you're going to call him handsome again? He's very handsome. <laughs> um, but I think the fact of the matter is he can't replace Clay. He's not an all-pro guy. And Steph can't do it on his on his own. And James Wiseman, you know, you know how I feel about him. Uh, I think it's tough, and and I, I'm wishing him well, but I'm not optimistic. Coach, are you a little more optimistic, or are you more on Brad's sentiment? Uh, I'm a little bit more with Ben, um, and also they they get hard, so we'll see what that does for the team. Um, but I I think I can speak for every real fan and. We're 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 hurt. <laughs> it's it's a bit of a shock to all of us, and it's it's almost better that it happened a little bit before free agency, and that they can read and react. Um, but I think that it'll take him a little bit of time after next year to get back to his defensive prowess, as did Wes Matthews. Him a little time with the same Achilles injury, um, but he's a shooter. I mean, he's 13 triple, 63-point play. Uh, I, I see him coming back. I think this takes uh, a year off of their championship window. 
But I'd say in uh, the 2021-2022 season, they have a shot, and um, they'll probably have two years in that window to to, gi- to give it a go. Um, I I, th- I just think that my big takeaway is like we're all sad fans not to see him on the court, and it kind of takes away a championship team. I do see Wiseman growing this year, and um, next year. Uh, I think everybody will kind of be rooting for the Warriors as opposed to like kind of rooting against them. Yeah, and I think what's interesting is I don't think the Warriors are the shoe-in to come out of the West every single year or to be a shoe-in for the conference finals. I think that that window where them being automatic number one seed is passed. It'll be interesting to see when they're healthy again what their ceiling is. But next little bit of news and notes, Jason Tatum, De'Aaron Fox, and Donovan Mitchell all signed the Supermax. And both teams – for the Celtics and uh, Kings, they're kind of committing to a core of two guards and a forwarder. You know, they're one through three. Boston with Kevin Walker, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, and Sacramento with Aaron Fox, Buddy Hield, Harrison Barnes. Brad, do you kind of like that route that they're going? Yeah, these guys are professionals. I'm not a big fan of, uh, you know, home field advantage being a, a big sway in the way that outcome, the, the game's outcome. Um, I'll say that you know, Toronto is one of the only teams that can actually claim that they have a home field advantage just because of the way that Toronto respects and rallies around those guys. You know, you see Drake in the in the uh, the the courtside seats, and you know the the fans are always really raucous. But I just don't think it's a big deal. Um, at least in the long term, it's probably going to be resolved in a year or two. Hopefully, when we get this thing under control. As for Fred Van Vliet. You know, that's a guy going from unsigned to four years and $85 million. I, I can't stress how impressed I am at how, you know, effective he's been and how much he's gotten better. And it's just, you know, he's really an inspiration for anybody that's in college right now and, and saying, you know, I'm in a, a D1 AA program or I'm in a, a program that's, you know, now one of the blue bloods of, of college basketball and, I really want to make a name for myself. You can become Fred Van, Van Vliet, and I'm, I'm just – I'm really happy for him. Brad, that was beautiful. I don't know if you can see it. Tears rolling down my eye. That was a beautiful <laughs> little speech you had about Fred Van Vliet, but – Do you like what you hear so far? Make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button wherever you find your podcasts. Want to hear more Triple Play? Great news for you. We have a fantasy baseball and football show that you can also check out, available anywhere you get your podcasts. If you're enjoying the content, how about, how about signing us to the Supermax and give us a five-star rating and review? Check us out on Twitter and IG at Trip Play Fantasy. Myself and Brad run our social media and provide daily questions. Occasionally, David Dumb tweets and our weekly episode drops. You know that feeling the Bulls had when they got Scotty Ch- Pippen on a really cheap contract? That's what we want to be. We want to keep you entertained, but it starts with you. Thank you for the loyal player for your listens each and every week. NBA draft recap. Well, for one, it was a little bit more of a boring night than I thought, and we talked a lot about our predictions on last week's show, so I just want to do a quick recap and talk about the winners and losers. And this could be a player, team, general manager, grouping of players. So, Ben, you're our guest. I want to start with you. Who's the biggest winner of the draft? 
Probably the Charlotte, Charlotte Hornets just because now we have a reason to watch them. I don't know about you guys. <laughs> um, I love it. I mean, even with Kemba Walker on that team, I mean, the only series I think they were semi-relevant was when they got bounced in the first round with Al Jefferson. And even then, they were incredibly boring. And last year, I mean, they had some interesting young pieces with P.J. Washington and Miles Bridges, but that's not enough for you know people to watch basketball games. And I think that's not enough to inspire the team. And now with LaMelo Ball, I think he has the most upside uh, than anyone else in the draft class. And if he pans out, even as you know, 70% of the hype, if that reaches – uh, you know, if that comes to fruition, then I think they have a really, really good player on their hands. And of course, with the personalities there and, and his dad being able to sit courtside with Michael Jordan, I think, uh, you know, if nothing else, the NBA is good for good storylines and, and the Hornets are finally involved in one. If the Hornets are on TV and the Wizards aren't, or if the Wizards aren't on TV, you're going to put your money where your mouth is and watch them? I think I am, yeah. Just to watch, you know, is LaMelo Ball going to chuck up 40-foot jump shots and how long is that sustainable before Coach yanks him? Is that a thing? You know, <laughs> I think that's more exciting than anything they could have done last year. Okay, I like that answer. Brad, who is your biggest winner? I thought I was going to have a hot take, but I agree with Ben. You know, anytime that you can get the the number one overall pick at number three, I think you really won the draft and you won the offseason. You know, you've got an older family member, He's already in the NBA. He's probably already taught him a lot and will continue to do so. He's already a better passer than Lonzo, if you ask me. He's six seven, six eight, which is going to go a long way as he fills out and becomes a better defender. He cuts off the ball well. He has the ability to shoot the, light, shoot the lights out. But, you know, I think it's a little dishonest to call that a strength for him. Uh, he's been playing against grown men, which, you know, other draft picks have been playing against kids. And, you know, we see what that's done for other players coming out of Europe. You know, he's talking about Lonzo and, and Luca. And I really think – I think uh, LaMelo is going to be a, a star. And I see, like, a big a big tray when I think of him. And I, I, uh, I'm rooting for him, and I think he's going to be really successful. This is a discussion for another show, and we talked about it on our last one. I'm the complete opposite on LaMelo Ball, but I get it from the entertainment perspective. Um, Coach, who who is the big winner of this draft? Um, just to echo the last two, uh, I, yeah, I want to watch Hornets games too. They get a word as well. They really are fighting for that eight yeah. seed, and um, they're relevant, which is really really cool for the NBA to see MJ's run team to actually have a stand here. We'll see how that relationship works out. I was first thinking um, Sacramento with Halliburton because he dropped the thirteen, and I just love that kid. Um, you got the Bogdan maybe signing a big contract. Coach, you can't hedge one. Who's the I one winner? <laughs> Buddy's disgruntled. I think the winners are the 76ers. They got a steal in Maxi at 24. They got shooters at the team in the trades with Curry and Green. They perfectly fit with Ben and Joel. We'll see how that happens. And they signed the White Pro. I think Philadelphia puts themselves in um, contention for the Eastern Conference. You remember what's funny when we were talking about Philly when they signed more a few weeks ago? And we we're like, oh, is he going to make trades? We're like, yeah, that's why they brought him in and already makes like a flurry in the two weeks he's been there. Makes more than anyone else. Yeah. Nobody is safe under Daryl Morey's watch. For me, the winner is Jalen Smith. And as a Maryland fan, he went top 10, which is higher than I thought. And all the mocks, the highest I saw him going was 12 and anywhere from that range to 24. He goes to play with CP3. Devin Booker, I think there's going to be leadership there. Phoenix, and we're going to talk about that trade um, coming up, but they they uh, depleted a lot of their bench. So 
who he's mostly looking at for playing time, Jay Crowder, Czech Diallo, Dario Saric. I think this is a team on the up and up, and I think he's going to get minutes sooner than people think. So, um, you know, as Maryland residents and hopefully fans of the Terps, I think we're all rooting for him to do well. But we're going to go to now our biggest draft loser, the guy that's wearing a dunce cap, or maybe it's a GM or a team. Uh, so, Brad, who's who took the biggest L in the draft? Yeah, to me, it's it's the Warriors, and you know, obviously, they lost Clay, and that's not the reason I'm necessarily picking them as the biggest losers. But they lost Clay before the draft, and they knew that, and they could have taken somebody to fill his shoes and. I think very highly of the kid coming out of Arizona, but to take to have the number two pick and to not trade up or to not trade down and get more assets, I don't love. And you know, I have Wiseman as my biggest bust. Um, you know, I don't understand the infatuation with him. I know he was highly touted out of high school, but you know, most seven footers are. I don't, I don't want to give my whole soliloquy of you know what I said last week, but I just don't think he's. I don't think talent. And athleticism is enough in the NBA. I think everybody's talented and athletic in the NBA. And I really don't think Wiseman is a game changer for them since he can't shoot from three. And that's basically what they build their whole team around. I, I wish they would have taken Obi Toppin or something like that if they wanted a big that could shoot. And I think they really missed the mark there. But, you know, it's, it's always fun when the, the Warriors are, are really firing. And I, I hope they do well. But I, just, I don't love the position they're in right now. Brad, we've been on the air for 22 minutes, and you've slandered the Warriors twice. What did they do to you? You know what? I I think I just love watching them and to see them kind of to fall back into this middling, you know, hopefully eighth, seventh, eighth seed in the West was just very sad for me. So I, I think I'm lashing out. Ah, okay. Well, there's there's a reasoning for the that behavior then. Coach, who took the biggest L? Sorry, because and it's, it's one person or team. One. <laughs> You're killing me, E. Uh, I, there is going to be a mini little hedge play that I am doing in here, but it is going to be one team. Uh, with such a quick week, I can't ignore what's been happening in free agency. The biggest losers here, the losers are the Detroit Pistons. Oh, I felt had a decent draft. They drafted Killian Hayes, yeah. Day, Isaiah Stewart. I kind of I like those guys. But then within, what, 48 hours, they signed Jeremy Grant to a big deal, which I don't mind. Like, he wanted a bigger role. Uh, but they signed Mason Plumley to three years, 25 mil. They trade for Deadman. They signed Jalil Okafor. They signed Josh Jackson. So, like, why are we overfloating our team with guys who aren't good, overpaying them so many bigs. And then this question still lie on their world, Blake Griffin, uh, like which take away your rookies that seemingly are pretty damn good um, away from their growth. So what I don't know what they're doing. Are they tanking? Are they trying to play for the eight? Like if you're going to go tank, go all in, get rid of Rose, get a one, get some assets, get rid of uh, Blake Griffin, let these guys mold like you got players, and now what? They're gonna sit back on the bench and really learn from Derrick Rose and what Blake Griffin. Like they're gonna show them how to be professional basketball players, and really, I think it stunts their growth. So I don't. The losers are the Detroit Pistons to me. 
I, I'm a Troy Weaver fan. I was a little perplexed by some of the moves, but I think he has a longer leash there. So I'm interested to see his plan. But Ben, who's your biggest loser in the draft? Yeah, I think for me, uh, it was Chicago just because Good, I think they kind of talked themselves into a player. Whereas, you know, if we weren't in a pandemic year where you had uh, ample time, probably too much time to assess these guys, it's easier to fall in love with the player. It's easier to talk yourself out of a player. And I think they talked themselves into Patrick Williams. Obviously, um, you know, his reputation's out there. He didn't start a game in college. Um, you know, this is a team that's been flirting with trading Zach Levine for a couple of years now. I thought Tyrese Halberton on my draft board was probably the best player available and probably the best fit there next to Kobe White. Um, but, you know, they went with pure upside there. Uh, I think as Brad mentioned earlier, everybody in the league is very athletic. Everybody can play. Uh, they sold themselves on this guy just because he's, you know, an uber athlete, but he's incredibly raw. Uh, we'll see if their new coaching staff can, can uh, you know, develop their players a lot better than the previous one did. But, you know, he has a long way to go. I think he's one of the youngest players in the draft. So that one was kind of a head scratcher for me. It's interesting because I think everybody had, you know, LaMelo Ball, James Wiseman, and Anthony Edwards, one through three in whatever order. And after that, you know, I saw Obi Toppin and um, Oyeka Kongwu and um, Denny Adijay kind of mixed around. But I didn't see Patrick Williams at all. So, you know, big surprise to, I think, everyone. For me, he didn't even and- start in college. Like, he just kept rising and rising and rising up the board. I know I told you that he's probably my bust, but that's crazy. Uh, didn't, you know what? Did, didn't Marvin Williams not start a game in college and he was the number two yeah. pick in 2005? Yeah. And he's yeah. okay, but he's not worthy of a four pick. Marvin and Williams also, had a longer career than Darren Williams, though. Never forget. It also reminds me of – He wasn't uh, as good. It reminds me of the no. relationship between, like, Richard Jefferson and Gilbert Arenas. Like, Gilbert Arenas was a star in Arizona, but Richard Jefferson had all the tools. Like, I think if you have a team that can actually, you know, mold you and, and help you grow and they're invested in – and you, you know, succeeding for the, the next five years, I think if you have the tools, you can grow into a superstar. And I, I think that's what they're betting on. But but I agree that if I was the Bulls, I wouldn't bet on that I could, you know, turn this guy into a superstar. Jefferson's an NBA champ. Let's not yeah. forget. Yeah. Very, he is very, now. Very, very raw pick. And for me, I say this with a smile on my face as a Wizards fan. I think the losers are the Boston Celtics. Sorry, Shannon, if you're listening to this. I think their <laughs> roster got worse. Like they lost Gordon Hayward, and maybe they'll get some something back in the sign and trade if that. Hey, Pritchard, Pritchard is cold. Pritchard is uh, but, cold. But you know what? So their first round picks were Aaron Nesmith and Peyton Pritchard. And last year they spent their first round picks on Grant Williams, who was six six, the same height as Nesmith, and then Romeo Langford, a guard as well. So on their roster they have Taco Fall, who's seven five. The next tallest is Tristan Thompson at six nine, and then they have like two six eight players. Um, Jason Tatum and, and a bench warmer. I, they just have a log jam of like twos and threes. And I don't think like they, they had to pay Tatum, but they're locked into that core. And I think that they've lost kind of value or, or their strength that they had compared to the East. I'd love to be right. Uh, I would hate to be wrong. Ben, I'm sure as a Wizards fan too, you root for Boston to do worse, right? I'm kind of, um, you know, laissez-faire on this one. I, I don't really care for Boston or any other team. Like, of course, I cover the Wizards, but I don't have, like, an active rooting interest, I think, especially when I, when I, when I write about the team. But I think your assessment of, of Boston is correct. Um, you know, I, this is a, a common criticism of Danny Ainge. I think he had an opportunity to trade Gordon Hayward, get bigger with Miles Turner, but he chose not to, held on to the well, asset for too long, and, and he lost him for nothing. 
He yeah. still might. He still might do the signing trade. And I feel like his reputation, you know, it's not. It's kind of like he's swindled a lot of teams. I think people are more hesitant to do trades with him than before. So, um, you know, we'll see. see I want to add because I really think that you you nailed it on the head with Boston. I think they dropped the ball with those three first round picks, not being able to move up, and then you draft a point guard at the end of the first round. You you sign Jeff how many point guards do you need? You got Kimball Walker, who's just signed Jeff Teague. Now you, you got Carson Edwards, who's better than him, and Traymond Waters, who won G League Player of what? the Year. Uh, t- hold on, hold on, Coach. Did you just say Carson Edwards is better than Kimball Walker? It's better than Peyton Pritchard. No, Kimball Walker is a, is an all pro yeah, player. Yeah, okay. I was going to say, if, if we're saying yeah. Carson Edwards is better than Kimball Walker, Coach, you've lost your spot on this pod. Find just Pritchard, who they drafted in the end of the first round. Well, I like I like him a lot. That that's a sharpshooter right there. It, I like him too, but there's a time and play. You got six point guards on the roster now. Yeah, they, like I said, they got, a log, they got a log jam. But speaking of point guards, I want to now transition to transactions, not draft related. And the first one is the trade of Chris Paul. Phoenix gets CP3 and takes on his massive salary, and Oklahoma City gets Kelly Oubre, who they flipped to the Warriors. Ricky Rubio, Ty Jerome and a 2022 first-round pick. So, Coach, I want to start with you. Did you like how much the Suns gave up, and what are your expectations for them next season? Oh, I didn't mind it. Um, I, I think, uh, obviously, CP3 is an improvement from Rubio, who's a, who's a good pro. And um, Kelly Rubre, I think they have enough wings, um, it, especially with, with Bridges' play in the bubble. Uh you can move on from Ubre. They they did sign um, Jameson Crowder as well. Uh, I think this is a playoff team. Uh, I don't see them getting out the first round, but I wouldn't be surprised if they get in maybe a four, five, three, six uh, matchup. And Chris Paul, the way he his level of play kind of steps up in the playoffs. Um, I, I love the fit. I didn't think they gave up too much. And also, I mentioned this last week. It, if they have success, it might give them incentive to keep Booker, who really, it seemed like he wanted out of town. So I love the play here, and I love what the, the Suns are doing, and I, I think a lot of NBA fans are rooting for this team to be successful next year. Yeah, definitely an exciting roster, and you showed promise at the end of the bubble going 8-0. and Ben, what are your thoughts on the trade? Yeah, I think Coach makes a good point in the, in the sense that I think casual fans will assess these moves based on the, the player transactions and who's going where, but – um, you know, they have to incentivize uh, Devin Booker. Like like Coach said, um, you know, he hasn't really been given much to work with. And, and Chris Paul is an all-NBA player, a uh, future Hall of Famer. And I think uh, it's also an investment with DeAndre Ayton. This is a guy who's progressively gotten better. Uh, Chris Paul is one of the best pick-and-roll point guards of all time. Uh, this is an aspect of DeAndre Ayton's game that, that he needs to improve, uh, expand his game with the pick-and-pop range. So I, I think this is a fantastic move all around. Yeah, and I mean, Phoenix hasn't made the playoffs since the 2009-2010 season, so it seems like they're pushing for at least a top eight spot. Brad, do you echo similar sentiments? Eric, let me ask you a couple questions. So you got Chris Paul, you just traded for, one of the best pick-and-roll point guards of all time, like Ben said. And you got DeAndre Ayton, who's a solid, very solid seven, uh, five who can – you know, really become an all pro. And you got Devin Booker who just lights out. You're you're trying to make the playoffs, right? So with that, do you think you can get a first round pick that you might average nineteen seven and two, Eric? 
next no. year. So why would you trade Kelly Oubre, who had averages nineteen seven and two? What's the point? Like, if you have a playoff team and you can afford it, why would you trade Kelly Oubre? I just don't understand it. Like, what are they trying to do right now? Maybe they wouldn't find a in, in a bubble without him. They seem that they could they could win without him. Maybe they so didn't what? find him handsome. <laughs> well, so if, you that... win, if you can win with the bubble without him, and then you add in nineteen seven and two, don't you think you can win even more? Like I, I don't, I just don't understand that. So I, I want to touch on that because I think it's a good point. Kelly Oubre is going to be an unrestricted free agent after next off season, and I think they've had him for about a year and a half after the Wizards shipped him to, for Trevor Ariza for a rental. Um, thanks, Ernie Grunfeld, but I think. <laughs> I, I think they don't believe in him long-term. I think you'd rather get someone more established. established. For Phoenix, I think you have to do the trade to make Devin Book. Uh, yeah, but he's been in the league about six years, so it's not like you know, he's young. He came in as a freshman at 18, 19. Um, I, I think if you're Phoenix, you have to make this trade to try to please Booker. My thing about Chris Paul, and I've mentioned it, is he has a lot of soft tissue injuries. He stayed really healthy last season, but – if he's sidelined for a period of time like he's been in the past with hamstrings or groins, you've depleted that bench, and it's a similar roster to last year. So fingers crossed that CP3 stays healthy, but want to go to another trade involving another point guard. And the Bucks got Drew Holiday from the Pelicans for Eric Bledsoe, George Hill, three first-round picks, I'm not done yet, and the rights to swap in 2024 and 2026. Okay, I'm done. Did Milwaukee give up too much? And are they your favorites to come out of the East? Ben, I want to start with you on this. Yeah, I mean, when, when you look at it on paper and, and reading it off the sheet, I mean, that sounds like a lot for Drew Holiday. But I, I think with context, again, um, Giannis is a guy who hasn't been given much to work with, with all due respect to Chris Middleton. He's one of the best 3 and D players in the league. He's one of the best brewing players in the league. But you need more to compete for a championship. And I think they realize that uh, in the bubble. Drew Holiday is one of the best point guards in the league. Uh, to that, add to that, he's one of the best defensive players in the NBA. If you if you talk to players around the league, they'll often say that he's probably the best on-ball defender in the NBA. Uh, he's he's a hell of an improvement over Eric Bledsoe, and I think that could potentially put him over the top. Maybe not to the championship. I still don't think they're better than the LA Lakers, but I think they could certainly meet him in the finals. And and that these are the sort of moves that you need to make if you're a franchise like Milwaukee, because if you lose Giannis, then those draft picks that they traded for Drew Holiday are meaningless, and, and you're you're going to be set back for multiple decades. So of course, you, if this move is presented to you, it's a move you make ten out of ten times. Ben, that's a very good point, and I'm like, wow, he's selling me on it. Um, and you're right, Brad talks about championship windows and how quickly they close, so Milwaukee definitely has one open now. Brad, do you like the trade? You know, I, I think if I'm the owner of the Milwaukee Bucks, I'm saying to myself, the goal of this season is not to win a championship. It's to get Giannis to sign the Supermax today. And he's got to December 25th to do it. He hasn't signed it yet, and I think the reason is because he's thinking to himself, we're not a, a Drew Holiday away from winning a championship. And, you know, I, I just don't see the point in, you know, leveraging your future to try to get Giannis if you're doing it to get Drew Holiday. You know, like like if you wanted to try to get, you know, a bigger free agent or, you know, make some blockbuster trade, like, you know, obviously not Harden since they don't really – you know, have a great relationship together. But, 
You know, if you want to go trade a, a, for a bigger free agent, I'd get it and I'd respect it. But Drew Holiday is not the answer. Yes, he's an upgrade with Eric Bledsoe, but like how much? Like 50% better, 30% better? Who cares? Like that's not going to make them a championship contender. And I just, I don't see Giannis re-signing. And if he does, it's going to be for the money. And I could definitely see him getting traded in the future. Um, I, I like the move for them getting better, but I don't like the move for them keeping Giannis. And I think that's the goal. All right. Interesting points. Coach, what are your thoughts? Um, this Giannis thing, I'm, I've been on two different sides of the fence and it seems like every 24 hours I hop on a different side. Um, I loved it when the news first dropped that they were going to bring in Holiday and Bogdanovich, and I think that was going to be the ticker to keep Giannis, which makes all five of those first-round picks worth it, much like what the Clippers did to get in not only Paul George, but Kawhi Leonard did, came, in, came with that. And um, we'll, we'll, time will tell as far as if that will work out for the Clippers, but I think that's what the Bucks had to do. They're in a desperation move to keep generational talent and sometimes it takes overpaying. Um, the fact that the Bogdanovich thing fell through, I know that Giannis and Bogdanovich are very good friends. Um, I don't know if that is affecting his decision going forward, but um, I respect Milwaukee for doing whatever it takes to try to keep Giannis. And ultimately, today, if you ask me, I feel that he is going to sign Supermax. And if it's not before December 25th, if they can – just at least make a finals appearance, which I think they should be favored with the roster that they've assembled right now. That is enough incentive to keep them. Yeah, I mean, it's – and I think a, an interesting point we're not talking about is the injury risk. You know, we've seen people – and this is a different sport, but Ronnie Stanley signed an extension, and then, you know, two days later, you know, tears his Achilles, and it's like, thank God that he signed the contract when he did because his market value would have gone down so much – had he waited. So um, good points, but you guys, you guys hear this? It's a buzzer because that's robbery. What the Pelicans did to the Bucks. <laughs> I am sorry. Five first round picks. That is Anthony Davis. Like, and I understand I'm a Drew Holiday fan, great defender. And he is an upgrade over Bledsoe. And I understand wanting to do everything to keep Giannis happy and to get him to sign the Supermax. But I think the Bucks panicked too early. It's over a month from when we're recording today, from when he can sign the Supermax. I think the Bucks tried to make the first splash in free agency rather than kind of letting the landscape of things feel out. I think they could have traded less to get Holiday had they waited a week or two, which is why I have such a problem with it. But if Giannis signs the Supermax and ultimately they win – and, you know, Milwaukee takes a gamble like Toronto did a couple of years ago with Kawhi. You can't argue with the results. So I think it's too early to judge that. The price Final was qu- very high, though. I mean, there was so he was, he was the biggest trade commodity. And, like, all the Nets were trying to get him. Like, there were so many teams, like, offering different trades. I think that pushed the envelope for them to have to give him that type of deal. Yeah, I mean, well, I if it works out, if not, if it doesn't, it's gonna be the it's gonna be we're looking at what the worst franchise in three years from now. Yeah, it's kind of like what Cleveland is. They mortgage a lot of their future when LeBron was on the team because when you have LeBron, you go all in. You don't True. rebuild or trade for assets. So that's kind of the, the catch twenty two of having a superstar player. Last question, and in thirty seconds or less, 
Um, I want to hear your answers. Gordon Hayward re, uh, signs with Charlotte four year, 120 max after opting out with Celtics. Uh, do you think the Hornets are going to be a playoff team in their ceiling for the upcoming season, coach? 30 seconds or less. Let me hear your thoughts. Uh, I'm still on the fence on that. I think they have a they have a chance. Uh, we all knew he had a suitor after turning down that 34 mil. Um, let's say I don't like dislike the signing because it's the Charlotte Hornets. Uh, but another 120 million deal after you know injury riddle seasons with the Celtics, it's a breath of fresh air. I'm I'm rooting for him to bounce back because he was one of my favorite players before um, the injuries and signing with the Celtics. So uh, uh, we'll see. We'll see. I think he'll be a great role model for Melo just as China just showing him how to be a professional and his IQ is really high that can match uh, Melo. So I like that aspect of it and um, we'll see what happens. Yeah. Good point. I mean, Ben, I want to hear your thoughts. You new Charlotte Hornet fan, you. <laughs> um, I actually don't like the signing. They just got off of Nicholas Batum's massive contract. It took them, you know, they were just eating money uh, for years with that contract. And to finally open up some cap space and immediately give um, uh, Hayward that much money, I think was a bad move. Um, I think that money could have been dispersed more, probably getting a guy like Gallinari and another veteran on the shorter term deal. Um, I think Michael Lee also pointed out the fact that how quickly they were to pay Gordon Hayward, but not Kemba Walker, which I yes. think raises, raises some eyebrows as well. But yeah, even with the signing, I'm not convinced that they're a playoff team. So I'm not really sure what their goal was. Oh, wow. I like it that you're supporting a team you don't even think will make playoffs. I mean, Michael Jordan's just a great GM, right? Yeah, I mean, you look at his track record, right? <laughs> Everything from Kwame Brown, uh, from Frank Kaminsky, uh, I think – Says a lot about that team's, um, I think, uh, assessment skills. Crazy but true. He turned down four first-round picks that were offered for Frank Kaminsky. Make sure, yes. make sure, make sure if you ever talk with Jordan, you bring that up. Brad, thirty seconds or less. Let me hear your thoughts. Listen, it's not about you know Lamelo Ball. It's not about Gordon Hayward. They have a future max player in Devontae Graham, and they're signing all these players to take away usage from him, and I hate it. He's a future max player, and they're just not trying to give him the ball. I don't get it. They're not even letting him play his natural position in point guard. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. Let your best players cook and stop trying to give other players to take away from them. I don't love it. Um, I don't know if they're a, a, a you know an eight seed, a seven seed. Time will tell. But I think they needed to build around Devontae Graham, and they're not really doing that right now. Brad, you know what we should do when you're done recording is break out a pen and quill or a paper and quill, write an angry letter to the Charlotte Hornets and send it and make sure they see it. We need to address their Devontae Graham lack of usage, right? The the quill is endangered and I'm happy to bring it back. Okay. They awesome. don't want him. They don't want him, and I think teams are gonna try to pry uh Graham's services for a good deal. Um, it, as when you make the signing like that, it, I don't see any type of max going his way in the future. Or Washington, exactly, and he's gonna leave. Like sign Luke Kennard and, and get like I don't know, like sixty percent of the performance that Gordon Hayward was gonna get, like for for way less money. Like I just don't understand these moves. He's just trying to sign big names, and I don't love it at all. Like if yeah. your homegrown talent is homegrown, support it. 
I, I echo Ben's sentiment. I don't understand it. And I, it's interesting that he brought up the Batum contract and that they didn't pay Kemba. And I, that was a homegrown guy. I mean, I think he's the franchise all-time leading scorer. He was, um, he was older. I, I understand letting Kemba go, but like letting Devontae Graham at 25, 26, like, come I, on. I, but I don't even think they offered, made a, a reasonable offer for Kemba, which I think is kind of like a lack of respect. Right. But you mm-hmm. know, we'll, see, we'll see how these signings play out. Good discussion, yeah. gentlemen. We now transition to our question of the week. And it is sponsored by none other than Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. Jingle balls to the walls, fellas. Listen up. Untrimmed pubes are a thing of the past. This holiday season, get the Manscaped Perfect Package 3.0. This includes the Lawnmower 3.0, which has skin-safe technology to prevent your nuts from getting cuts. It protects the painted area, just like Rudy Gobert does for the Jazz. The ball deodorant is an underrated part of this package. Its defense against those nasty ball scents is comparable to Pat Bev on Russell Westbrook. The performance boxer briefs are something everyone needs. They allow your area to breathe and stay cool, unlike Ron Artest that night at Malice at the Palace. Use the code triple play and get 20% off at manscaped.com. That's 20%. And once again, that's playoff P's shooting percentage with the code triple play at manscaped.com. Fellas, if you're going to disobey CDC guidelines and go to white elephant parties, these are the perfect gifts. So our question this week is, who is the best player not in the NBA? And this could be a prospect, a foreign player. Ben, you're the guest. I want to start with you. Well, first off, I, I have to mention the fact that you didn't even try to transition from the pubic shaving advertisement to, to your question, <laughs> which kind of threw me off. But um, <laughs> I think Nikola Mirotic is the only correct answer here. This is a guy who if Milwaukee had. I think he is a guy who could potentially put him over the top, but he – chose to go home and go to Spain and uh, play for Barcelona. Um, I think if you ask anybody, um, especially if you're from Europe, would you rather play in Milwaukee or a place like Detroit uh, or Barcelona? You probably go Barcelona 10 out of 10 times. That's what, that's what he did. And uh, it's a shame because he's, he's uh, on the cusp. You know, he was on the cusp of being one of those borderline all-star guys or sneaky all-star type guys that probably wouldn't have made the all-star team, but would have had similar impact. So um, it would have been nice if he stuck around. That's a good pick, and maybe maybe he was afraid of getting uh, hit in the jaw or face by Pavi Portis again. Maybe that just uh, has some PTSD for him. Brad, who's your pick? Yeah, man, I'm just going to repeat what I said last week. You know, it, it's Obi Toppin for me. You know, there's not many times where the college player of the year becomes an afterthought in the top three of the lottery. You know, he led the nation in dunks and shot 77% around the rim. He had 32 threes at a 40% clip. He's an underrated passer. His biggest knock is that, you know, he, he may not be great defensively and he probably should add better rebounding numbers in the conference that he was playing in. He's also 22 years old, which is older than the side of the prospects when you look at, you know, an 18, 19-year-old that you can draft. But, you know, overall, I think his size, his frame, his athleticism, it's going to help him grow in, in that arena. And especially if he goes to a team that I had not going to in my mock, which was the Warriors, but... He did, and he went to the Knicks, and I think they're going to do everything to support him because he's going to be the guy that sells tickets for them since they didn't get, you know, Carmelo or anybody else. So 
Um, I, I really like Obi Toppin, and I think he's going to have a stellar career. Brad, your answer is comparable. I'm the bouncer, and you have a fake ID, and I'm looking. I'm like, uh, okay, fine, I'll let it pass. But he's technically in the NBA. He hasn't played a game yet, so I'll give you that answer. Coach, who's yours? And I want one. You get one. Well, and I'm I'm glad that uh, the other two guests went Euro and um, Rookie. I was ready to name 12-year-olds because that's how far back I started oh. watching these kids. I'm going to go with a 16-year-old, none other than the name of Imani Bates. Okay. Imani Bates is my favorite talent, and I know anytime a a prospect gets mentioned, you go like, oh, best prospect since, like, LeBron James. But, I mean, everything about this kid, I love it. He won the Gatorade Player of the Year last year, averaging 32, 9, 3, and 2 steals. He's the only sophomore to ever win that award. Go ahead, Brad. Chime in real quick before I finish. I'm forgetting his name. Uh, I watched him on ESPN the other day. He's just like seven foot white kid. It's like bad something. Home and they play bad against home each grid. other. And I was, work. I was he ready to work. He 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 won the game and played better down the stretch. And he's looking like the best senior in the class. Uh, Imani Bates is only a junior. I love Chet Holmgren and his uh, progression, but. Imani Bates has a dog in him. And even that little matchup game where Chet got the best of them is going to drive him to a next level. He has defensive abilities with his length and quickness. He's got the ability to beat you off of the dribble, off of the catch, in the lane. He's a three-level premier scorer. He's a generational talent. And OKC, who probably has every single pick in the 2022 and 2023 (laughs) draft, It will give up at all 16 of them to get this kid. That's how, who I see. He's KD 2.0, 6'8", yeah. 200, so fluid. If you just watch a little bit of highlights on him, it's breathtaking, his talent. Move. All right, I love that. Sounds like Coach Lewis is starting the official Imani Bates uh, fan club. For me, I have a prospect as well, and it's Zaire Williams. He's a 6'8 wing. He mm. can shoot. He can finish around the rim well. Um, he draws fouls at a high percentage and he shoots 88% from the line. Uh, I think the big thing for him is he's going to need to fill out his body a little bit, but he has a long wingspan. That's something you can't teach. I love his temperament as well. You know, we were talking about Anthony Edwards and that, you know, he loves the, the showtime and the attention from it, but not a love of the game. And Zaire Williams is just very calm, level-headed, and I think he's focused more. And I love that in a prospect. Um, because it really looks like he enjoys the game of basketball. But good pick, gentlemen. I don't think you can go wrong with any of the ones that we picked. We now transition to the game of the week. Coach Lewis is hosting it. What are we playing today? All right. So this week's game is similar to last week's game, and you can get one point for the correct first answer, a bonus point if you get the second part of the answer. But you can't get a point for just getting the second part. Well, all right, the game uh, is – Okay, there we go. What team did you get drafted by? And the second part is in what year? So Woo! who did this NBA uh, player get drafted by? And then you get a bonus point for the year. Okay, and uh, how many questions we got? We got 10 with a bonus 11 if it gets down to it. 
All right, so Ben, just a quick heads up. I'm 3-0 and in career games, but I'm not feeling good today. I think you really know your NBA draft stuff, and I'm a little scared if I'm being honest. Well, I just want to say that um, I'm pretty sure there's a there's a federal law that if, if you're going to do a Manscaped commercial, you can't talk about high school kids on the media uh, segment <laughs> afterwards. But that's all I have to add. I'm ready to play and, and hopefully I'll prevail. Uh, you know, maybe I need to hire a lawyer after this show. All right, Coach, we're ready. That's hilarious. Um, no, wait, are we starting with me, Brad, Ben, or whatever that order of rotating? All right, I'm going to go with the same order that you went with last week, which was guest – and then host being the anchor. So I'll go uh, Ben, Brad, Eric in that order, every question. Oh, wow, that's not fair, but all right, I'll take it. So Ben's batting leadoff on all of these. Ben, our first player is Jamal Crawford. What team drafted him in what year? Holy man, this guy is 75 years old at this point, and he played for the Nets last year. Let me see. Did he get drafted by, I want to say Chicago in probably like 2003? Brad? I want to say he's something like a 15-year pro, which would make him drafted in 05. Um, I'm going to say he got drafted by the, I don't know, I want to say like the Knicks in 05. Uh, he got drafted by the Bulls in 2001, I believe. All right, this goes to no one, um, but Eric was the closest one. Ben had the team that he first played for. He was actually drafted by the Cleveland Cavaliers in Ooh. 2000, the wow. year 2000. Wow. Used them. All, right. All right, zero for all of us to begin. Good start. All right, next one is E. Bled, one of my favorites, Eric Bledsoe. Ben, what team drafted him and in what year? Here. Oh, uh, James, you should rotate, man. This is this is gonna be too easy for me. Do you do you want to go first, or I'll go first. I'm gonna say he got drafted by the Clippers in 2010. Yeah, it, well, I, I believe it was the Clippers in 2010 as well because I think that's when they traded the Irving pick. Uh, I know it was the Clippers. I know it was out of Kentucky. I don't know which year, but the confidence of these two guys was like 2010. All right, so incorrect. He was actually drafted by Oklahoma City. And this is kind of – these yeah, questions are not this, the man? easiest. 2010 was correct, though, but still nobody on the board. Brad, we'll start with you this time. Rudy Gobert. Oh, Rudy Gobert. Okay. Big old seven-footer out of France. Uh, I think he was drafted out of Denver and then later traded. Uh, I'm going to go with Denver and 20 – 16, I want to say. All right. Um, Is and it my ben, turn? Eric, you can go. And Ben can okay. be anchor this time. Okay. I think it's Denver, and I think it's 2013. Yeah, it, it's definitely uh, Denver in 2013 because uh, I think like five years after that, they traded with the Jazz again with Donovan Mitchell. That was like the two of their biggest blunders, so. All right, so that is 100% correct. So Eric gets two, Brad gets two. I mean, Brad gets one, and Ben gets two. I should get three because I went before Ben. I'm just kidding. I went first. I was going to say, Brad gave the blueprint. You guys just had to get yeah, the, exactly. the year so, right. So I, I actually looked that up the other day because I went on Jazz subreddit, 
and I put something about them possibly trading Gobert, and I got slandered for. So I looked them never, up. So. Never go on the Jazz subreddit, Eric. Oh man, their fans are are awful. My uh, right. my girl, my girl's been watching the uh, the Real Housewives of like Salt Lake City or something like that. Bananas. Yeah. All right. We're we're at question four, right? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, me, me too. Um, <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna move on with uh, Pal Gasol, Ben Pal Gasol, followed by Brad and then Eric. This is probably gonna be one of those trade scenarios that I don't remember, but I'm gonna say, um, I'm gonna say it was the Grizzlies in 2000, 2001, I'll say. All right, and Brad. I remember. Pal coming like coming of age with the Grizzlies. I don't know if he actually got drafted by them or if it was the draft day trade, but I'm gonna go with the Grizzlies in like 2002. I'm going with the Grizzlies 2001 because that was the Kwame Brown year. Um, I, I can't remember if he got traded for someone else. I remember they were bad the year before and drafted Stro Miles Swift. So I'm going Grizzlies 2001, same as Ben. Trailblazers. So as Wizards fans, I think we vividly remember this draft because it was the Kwame Brown blunder. Pal Gasol ended up being the best player on that draft. But no one really knew because, like, the Euro tapes really weren't, like, out there. You didn't really – you couldn't really yeah. YouTube it. Um, he was technically drafted by the Atlanta Hawks um, in the year 2001, yeah. and they made a trade. So no one got that one, um, but he was the prize of that 2001 draft. All right, number five, LaMarcus Aldridge. And oh, we're going to wow. start here with Eric, Eric, followed by Brad and Ben. Eric, Brad, Ben, LaMarcus Aldridge. All right, he was drafted by the Bulls uh, in 2007. You know, uh, it's weird how that works. Like, I, I only see him in, like, Spurs uniform now, but I know he he spent a bulk of his, his career in, in uh, Portland. I'm going to go Portland 2001. All right, I'm, I'm going to go with um, Chicago in 06, and I think they traded him for Tyrus Thomas, which was another oh, blunder. Can I change my Oh, oh my gosh, can it I, was 2006. Can, I, was can I give him three points on that? Bang, 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 because <laughs> that was the dumb, dummy yeah. trade that they did do as well. Eric, you technically get one point for that, and um, – Ben, you get two for because naming. Durant was number two in 2007. That's <laughs> right. Ugh. I knew it was for the Tyrus Thomas trade, too, because Adam Morrison went three. Ugh. I right. thought Tyrus Thomas was going to be very, very cold. I don't blame him. <laughs> Isn't he he's one of those things that, like, we should have a segment on players you think were going to be good but actually suck. Yeah, man. All right. Um, all right, number six. And we're going to start off with Eric, followed by. Um, I just started. I think it's Brad, right? My fault. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna start Brad, followed by Ben, and then Eric. You can be uh, anchor on this one. This is uh, Kevin Love. Oh, man, he came out of UCLA. Well, Zoe, I'm gonna go to Minnesota, 2006. Am I am I up? Sorry. Dan, you're up. I'm dead. You're up. All right. Um crap. He was traded. Who traded him? I want to say Memphis traded him for OJ Mayo in 08. Ben, stop doing my spotlight. He was traded for OJ Mayo in 08. That's 100%. From the Grizzlies. 100% correct. 
correct. And I mean, honestly, can we give him bonus points for knowing the person that like was the loser of the trade in both of these instances? No, because I know these two. I'm mad about the Aldridge one still. I'm All not right. gonna come back. I'm still right, well, I'm still on team OJ, by the way. I think he's somewhere in like random city in China playing in the Yeah, I was about man. to say this is reminding me, uh uh shout out what's his name? Um Tyreek Tyreek Evans. Shout yeah. out Tyreek Evans. Hopefully he comes back soon. So shout, out, shout out uh, Thomas Robinson, too, while we're at it. Yeah. yeah. Shout, shout out, out Josh Robinson. Childress. <laughs> All of them. All right. So, <laughs> wait, we're on question seven. James, what's the score? I got five. I think I'm down by one from Bet. Ben's Brad. got six, uh, and Brad's got one. <laughs> All right. So, Jordan, yeah. we're, so, we're going to move on. Um, shout out uh, Milos Meadosis. As well, we got Dirk Nowitzki at seven, and uh, we're gonna start here with Eric, followed by Ben and Brad. Clean up, coach. You, you keep messing up the order, man. I well, I well, I planned on it being a set order like you did me <laughs> last week, but it is fair this way. Uh, um, Dirk was drafted by the Bucks in. 98. Yeah, I think Eric is right here. I'm going to go Bucks in 98 as well. I'm also going to go Bucks in 98. That was, a, I think, Steve Nash and Jason. Way to get on the board, Brad. But, uh, yeah, Dirk, Dirk Nowitzki, 98 to the Milwaukee Bucks, which obviously set that franchise back until the Giannis steal at 15 five years ago, maybe six at this point. Mm-hmm. All right. No, they Number had Ray eight. Allen. What's that? They had Ray Allen. Oh, let's, not slander, uh, let's not slander the great backcourt of uh, Brandon Jennings. Yeah. Either, right? oh, oh, yeah. I like that, Ben. <laughs> He's somewhere in Europe terrorizing people as well. All right. Number eight. Uh, we're going to go with none other than Rajon Rondo. Out of Kentucky. I'm going to go first. Out of Kentucky. Um. I don't know why I wanted to go first. I have no idea where he was drafted or when. Uh, I'm going to go 2002 to the – it seems very Nickish. I'm going to go Nick. All right, and uh, Ben? See, I I know the team he was drafted by just because I was looking at his stats after the Hawks signed him. So he was drafted by the Suns, I believe. Um, let's see, probably 07, 07. So I, I know he was drafted by the Suns too. I want to say 2006. Wow, is he that young? I thought he was like a an 18-year vet. No. He is that young. It, it seems wow. like he's he's played three decades, but uh, Eric, well, young, about to get you get the win on that. It was 06. So uh, one and time ben, now. Ben, you get one point for that. Uh, we're looking at two, four, six, eight, nine to two, four, six, eight, nine. Who cares what Brad got? He ain't winning. Yeah. <laughs> Three for Brad. All right. We'll move on. Um, Kawhi Leonard. And we'll start Eric this time. Coach, why do you go back to me to start every other one? Um <laughs> You're my guy. I, I trust you. So Kawhi was drafted by the Pacers. Um, and I want to say that was 
Let me get let me think about the year real quick. Uh I think Pacers twenty thirteen. I'm gonna go uh see I always like to say the college because I, I feel like it gives me an extra point. I'm gonna go uh at a San Diego State drafted by the Pacers twenty twelve. And Ben and you guys call yourselves Wizards fans, huh? Oh, this no. is the Jan Vesely draft. How could you guys forget? So oh, it, it's no. Pacers 2011. Come on, guys. You're better than that. <laughs> all right. One point lead for Ben. He was, we all knew it was the Pacers that made that blunder, but it was 2011. Um, two points for Ben. One for Eric. He's, he holds a one-point lead. He's going to bet. Uh, he's going to bet leading off. For Vince Carter, for question 10. Oh, I like that one. Oh, man. This is going to be another one of those trade things, but I'm, I'm going to go Toronto 98, but I, I don't remember. All right. Um, And Brett? I'm going to go with uh, Toronto and 98. Um, and Eric? I don't think he – it was either him or Chris Webber that got traded for Antoine Jameson. Uh, so I'm going to go Warriors in 96 for the win. All right. For the tie goes oh. Eric. It was the Warriors for Antoine Jameson, but it was that 98 draft. So yeah. we're tied. So, so Ben we're, and I are tied. So we are at a tie. Um Trying to figure out how to play the lead up to like how are you going to answer number eleven? Um, uh, Eric, heads or tails? I'm thinking of one. Heads. All right, I was thinking tails. Um, Eric, you'll go up first, and then you'll be second. This is Kobe Bryant. Uh, Hornets, ninety six. Yeah, it's Hornet 96. I'll get the extra point, trade him for Vladdy Divac, and I win. That's how it works. We all know right? that. Oh, <laughs> I like kidding. it. I like it. We all know that. No, that's, we give it. Give, give him the win. I mean, oh, come on God. here. No, I'm just kidding. Here. I <laughs> mean, we're still alive. You know what? Where's your hospitality, Eric? You know what? Ben does deserve the win. Um, no, I concede. I'll concede. He, he got, he got the, the Jan Vesley one. As us Wizards fans, we should know. That draft. So I'm giving myself an L just like the Celtics did. So, Ben, congrats. Uh, 30 seconds of FaceTime if there's anything you want to plug, anything you're working on. Yeah, I mean, if you want to read uh, about the Washington Wizards, if you're a masochist like the rest of us, you can go to <laughs> BolksForever.com. Uh, we update the site fairly regularly. And, and I expect uh, Manscaped in the mail ASAP, guys. Well, you know. You you got to send me uh, your mailing address. I didn't look up everything about you. Oh, you should know that already, Eric. <laughs> no more following up man, manscape uh, infomercials with uh, NBA prospects. Yeah, that's uh... teenagers. That that was my <laughs> lesson learned for this week. Um, but if you want to follow him and some of the co- great content he has, it's Ben Mehich NBA on Twitter. Um, he's a great follow uh, if you're looking to get into the NBA and just even read some more in-depth analysis. Ben, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Appreciate you guys. Thanks for having me on. Last and, thing, Joe Smith, what team in what year, Ben? Um, man, 96, I want to say, right? He was first overall. Who the hell took him? 
I'm going to gamble and say Atlanta. All right, Eric. Ooh. Eric. Uh, I think it's Atlanta, but I think it's it might be 95. He was the number one overall pick. All right, X for both of you guys. It was 95, but it was uh, the Golden State Warriors, and he had a solid uh, a rookie season with them as well. You want to check the stats? That's true. Well, we will be taking uh, next week off. Everybody enjoy the time with your family and, and upcoming holidays. After that, we're going to start attacking fantasy basketball previews as we are a fantasy show. And uh, make sure you tune in then.